deep left into the bleachers. A two-run homer. A swing and a miss. Ball game. Liftoff. And history marches on. 22 consecutive wins. From the sports desk of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. This is Leading Off with Ryan Lewis, a podcast on the Cleveland Indians. Santana makes the catch. Ball game. The Indians have won the American League pennant. The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series. Now, Ryan Lewis and Dan Kadar. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Dan Kadar, and of course I'm joined by Ryan Lewis, and we have a lot to get to today on the podcast, Ryan, because you are covering the All-Star Game, which takes place in Cleveland. Home Run Derby is tonight at 8 o'clock. If you listen to us on Monday, then the All-Star Game is at 7.30 on Tuesday. So Ryan is very busy, but he carved out some time to talk Indians. We're going to go over some first-half things today. But if anybody listened to our podcast last week, Ryan, they found out that you and I are Home Run Derby fanboys and we, we talked about uh, putting a bet on the Home Run Derby, and we didn't get to it on last week's show. So we're going to start out this week just doing a quick Home Run Derby prediction, and then we'll talk Indians and, and the first half of the season for them after that. So, Ryan, Home Run Derby. Carlos Santana, of course, is in it. He, has a, he goes against... Um, Pete Alonso of the Mets in the first round in the right side of the bracket. Then you have Josh Bell of the Pirates, Ronald Acuna of the Braves, Matt Chapman of the A's replacing Christian Yelich, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays, Alex Bregman of the Astros, and Jock Peterson of the Dodgers. So, Ryan, that is the field. Who's your pick? Well, I think this is one of the... More difficult fields to pick for the last couple of years for the Derby. It's, it's the youngest collective field that they've had with its youngest participant with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, so you, you go down the list, and for the most part, it's here's this guy. He's one of the most you know prolific young power hitters in the game who has you know X number of 450 foot home runs already this season. And you go down the list, and here's another guy, one of the best younger power hitters in the game, so on and so forth. And it's I think tonight's going to be a lot of fun. I think it could go in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that, especially the casual baseball fan, I think people are overlooking Matt Chapman. He's a late uh, addition after Christian Yelich uh, decided to pull out of the Derby. But he's one of the best you know, all-around players in the game today. He scorches the ball. I, I think a lot of you know, very casual baseball fans are, are going to be kind of introduced or reintroduced to Matt Chapman tonight. But I think my pick... And a lot of people are picking Pete Alonso. Um, and a lot of people are, are picking, you know, Guerrero Jr., uh, Acuna. This, I, I think that this ballpark does sort of lend itself to a little bit of an advantage for the left-handed hitters in this event. Um, so I think I'm going to pick Josh Bell. Okay. Who is a switch hitter with a much more power from the left side. Um He's just had a, a tremendous season. And, you know, of, of anyone in this derby, I, I, th- I think it's wide open. I, I think five or six guys could be a total coin flip. And Carlos Santana winning it would be, you know, the most fun uh, scenario just with the home crowd going nuts. 
but I'm gonna go with another switch hitter with Josh Bell. That's my pick. Who you got? Well, Josh Bell is a great choice, and I don't know if you saw the headline. Someone called the police because they were baseballs were being launched into the river in Pittsburgh, and it was because <laughs> Josh Bell was taking batting practice. I love that story. So that that is a smart pick. Um, my pick was going to be Christian Yelich, but like you said, he he was pulled out and replaced by Matt Chapman, who I do like quite a bit watching him play when the Indians play against the Athletics. Flag Guerrero would be a fun pick. Josh Bell, Ryan, I hate to throw you under the bus here. I think he's the obvious pick. I think he's the betting favorite, as a matter of fact, going into this thing. I may not have mentioned that on purpose. Uh-huh. Well, but I do like <laughs> So, But I don't think, I, I really don't think the, the betting favorite has a lot of a, a, a no. pull here. I no. Mean, against Pete Alonzo and Acuna, and if you saw that video of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just crushing balls in DP, back to back to back to back to back. Tonight's going to be amazing, but who you got? Okay. You got to pick someone. Okay. And you're already making some excuses with Yelich being pulled out. <laughs> There's always already some some excuses going on. Hmm. Well, in that case, I'm going to go straight on against you. I'm going to take Acuna, who battles <laughs> Bell in the first round. That that's my pick, and I'm going to put real money on it. Um, I'll go on Bovada and put five dollars on Ronald Acuna. That's how much. <laughs> that's how much this is worth to me. Well, I've got. So we haven't. So we said last week that we were going to come up with some sort of like a fun bet. And yes. We didn't actually come up. We're kind of doing this live, come up with parameters. So for people who don't know, Dan Kadar, hmm. whom I love as a colleague and a friend, has a terrible food opinion in that he thinks that jelly is better than gravy, which is not true. Hmm. Like, objectively not true. So what I was thinking was, if one of our guys wins, the other posts a picture of Twitter, you eating a biscuit covered in delicious gravy, and I will try to get down some toast with a, a nice heaping of jelly on it. I will take that bet. However, the gravy versus jelly thing here at the Bacon Journal has been raging on for years. Um, one of our <laughs> former colleagues is to blame for, for this, um, this, this debate that has ruined friendships. But um, I actually like biscuits and gravy, so... If you want, I can do some other kind of gravy if I lose the bet. Because I hate gravy, but I like biscuits and gravy. Like, if it's a cream-based gravy, I can get down with it. But, like, mashed potatoes like and gravy is disgusting. Oh, okay. Well, then that's the bet. Okay. <laughs> that's what we have to do, then. All right. Unless you're lying. No. Because it's... Because if someone loves mashed potatoes and gravy, that's exactly what they would say. <laughs> I, no. I, no. I, reduced animal fat gravies are gross to me. Um, all right. So, yeah, that's the bet. All right. We'll do that. All right. All right I like it. Hopefully neither of us lose. Go Pete Alonzo. I mean, Carlos Santana. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Carlos Santana, let's talk about the first half of the season for the Cleveland Indians. Ryan, they've really turned this thing around. At the end of May, they were right around 500, I believe, maybe 500 or one game below. But since June 1st, 
The Indians have the second best record in baseball after the Washington Nationals. And they're now 50 and 38 on the season. They go into the All-Star break winners of six straight games. They're, they've cut the lead of the Twins, who I'll get to here shortly, to five and a half games. They're in second place in the wild card spot. Ryan, after kind of a, quite frankly, it seemed like a doom and gloom first couple months to the season, the Indians are, are to me, right in this thing. What is your impression of the Indians at the All-Star break? Well, as it pertains to the All-Star game and, and all the All-Star festivities, you know, I, I, I think the last month or so has really helped to kind of preserve a lot of the energy and excitement around this event for Cleveland baseball fans. Because, um, you know, let's, let, let's say that their June record was flipped. If that's the case, you know, they're, they're still down double-digit games to the Twins, and it, things wouldn't be looking good for the wild card either. And they would sort of just be you know, limping into the All-Star break, which isn't really what you want, and there'd be a real disappointing feel around this team. But with the June that they had, you know, they really turned everything around. There's so much momentum. Uh, they're starting to get healthier. Corey Kluber is still progressing. Uh, Carlos Carrasco has, has released uh, details of his condition, um, and it, 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 it seems like he you know, he had things under control as, as much as, as he can. You know, that's, that's a very delicate, that's a very tough situation. Um, you know, there's still no timetable for his return. Um, but, you know, things do seem to be, you know, progressing finally where there, there were some, you know, some stretches where the Indians were really, uh, you know, spinning their tires. And they've now gotten to within striking distance of the Twins. Uh, you, have, you have more questions about, you know, do the Indians buy or sell? Um, I, I, I do think in terms of that question, to kind of uh, acknowledge that for a second, you know, what the Indians may do is, uh, neither, but they may make some some significant moves that kind of reallocate things around the roster as they continue to move things around, move pieces around. They've gotten so so much young pitching coming up that Bauer and Hand could both be trade ships uh, if they want to go and get a bat. Um, so you know they've they've really kind of crawled back into this thing, and there is some momentum. There are some so, some things working against them, but they've really kind of salvaged the the feeling of the city. In terms of you know toward its baseball team around this time of year, um, you know I'd, I'd have some momentum is good. They still have a long way to go, um, but things are, are are trending upward for the Indians. And you know right now they they'd have one of their two wild card spots, which isn't ideal with you know the current playoff situation. Uh, you know, but no, they've they've kind of raced the, the doom and gloom start. Um, they do have about as much potential as any team once the, once the rotation can get healthy. Um, you know, a lot of it still depends on the lineup, but, you know, with Santana, Lindor, Hand, and Bieber, uh, you know, are all in, on the all-star team, um, there's, there's some real momentum there, and uh, they still have a lot of games against the Twins and a lot of games against the Central, and that's, that's going to go a long way to determine who wins, you know, this division. Um, but they have kind of erased uh, a lot of the, the bad will from, you know, April and March and May. Mm-hmm. They have, and... You know, it, it's funny. They're twenty-two and nine since June first, and their batting average is, is two seventy-four over that stretch. It's it's been a really good run. Oscar Mercado has been a big part of it. Jake Bowers is paying off the um, 
he's paying off the the great chance he's being given by the Indians by sticking with him here at a, at a time when, you know, we talked in the past, Ryan, God, what do they do with Leonis Martin and Jake Bowers? Well, Leonis Martin kind of played himself out of here, and Jake Bowers stuck around and is is playing well now. Um, so there, there's that. You mentioned the pitching stuff. You know, Bauer's been a workhorse who's been up and down, as everybody knows. Shane Bieber, you mentioned, is an all-star. After them, you know, there, there's not a lot of guys racking up a ton of starts. There's only other, only one other pitcher for the Indians this season with double-digit starts after them, and it's Carrasco. So, you know, it, 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 it's been kind of interesting watching this team where they're just hanging in there. And maybe now that they're just going to start getting healthier and healthier, like you mentioned, Kluber is getting close. This means nothing for the Indians, but Danny Salazar is going to pitch for the Rubber Ducks here at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, Danny yeah, Salazar is nearing health. Yeah. If Danny Salazar is nearing health, there are probably a lot of other things going well as well. Right. You know, he's he's had such a tough time that if, if Salazar is, you know, getting closer and, and, and doing well... Um, you know that's it's just a, another option, and there 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 are a lot of things kind of going the right way. It's 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 difficult to be too optimistic, just because you know they've they didn't face the toughest schedule in June, which which deserves to be you know noted as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they if they can get healthy, uh, you know they it puts them in in at least a much better position entering June or sorry July thirty first, and to remind people. There is no waiver deadline anymore, so July 31st is the last day for teams to make trades. Um, so that's that's going to come up on us pretty quickly, um, and it'll be it'll be fascinating to see kind of how the central shakes out from that. It will be, and you mentioned the Twins, who the Indians play 13 times in the second half of the season, including a three-game series in Cleveland to start the second half. Ryan, I know we try and never look at baseball on, like, the macro level, but I can't remember the last time I've looked forward to, like, a regular season series as much as this one against the Twins, and it's part of a 10-game homestand for the Indians where, look, if they win the series against the Twins, boy, they're really right in in this thing. Um, or of course, if they get swept by the Twins in the series, we might have a different talking point next Monday. But it, it's the Indians are right there. Um, so let, let's kind of go through a couple superlatives, if you will, for the first half. If you had to pick a team MVP to this point, who would it be? I think I don't think this question is as quite as easy to answer as some people might think. Who's your Indians first half MVP? Yeah, I, I think there are a couple of answers from, you know, just depending on what angle you want to come at this thing from. I think it's Carlos Santana. I, I think I would give it to Carlos Santana as, you know, someone who came over in, in a deal that was as much about reallocating resources as, you know, specifically bringing him in. And he's had the best offensive career or season of his career, and he's he's really been the only stable offensive contributor from the beginning of the season. And as we know, the Indians desperately have needed someone like that in their lineup, and they really need three or four guys in their lineup. And 
Francisco Lindor has been tremendous once he started to get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Hand has has been phenomenal uh, at, at the back end of, of one of baseball's best bullpens, arguably baseball's best bullpen. Uh, and, and you know Shane Beavers had, had had has played a major role in stabilizing a rotation that was supposed to be the Indians' rock and their backbone, and instead has just been in chaos um, almost since opening day. But Carlos Santana has meant so much to this lineup uh, to kind of help keep their their heads above water. He's starting the All Star game. He's in the home run derby. It's kind of been you know, the the summer of Carlos so far. Um, so I, I think he's the guy. But there are there are some some close contenders there. There are. I, I think Santana would be my pick too, but I, I have a hard time not thinking it's Shane Bieber, to be honest. And I say that just from the standpoint of he feels like a lockdown, sure thing starting pitcher. When the Indians are in a bind, he seems like the guy that they can go to at this point more than anybody else and get a good start out of. Um, so, he, look, Santana's probably the right choice, but Bieber, for me, is right behind him. He has had an incredible season at a time when, you know, Trevor Bauer has been extremely inconsistent, which we've talked about plenty on past podcasts, but he's still giving them a ton of innings. Um, at a time when Carrasco and Kluber are hurt, when Clevenger was out for a long time, when you know Zach Plesac has been okay but a little inconsistent. Same with Adam Plutko. Um, Shane Bieber, to me, I was surprised he made the All Star team, but then when you really start to think about him as a player and you look at what he has done in his time in Cleveland, which is kind of the equivalent to one full season almost. If you if you stretched out everything he's done as one season, he has been great. So he, to me, is the guy right behind Santana as, as the team MVP. Um, that, that's, that's my pick there, I guess. So... I, I think that's, that's that's totally valid. I mean, I yeah. wherever you look at it, kind of the, the three spots on this roster, you go lineup, uh, rotation, or bullpen. They've they've needed someone in that group mm-hmm. to help stabilize things. And and for B, again, the, that Indians rotation was picked by a lot of people in and outside of Cleveland to be you know one of the probably the best in baseball, one of the best in baseball in recent memory potentially even if they stay healthy with four guys who can you know certainly put up a borderline Cy Young contender season, and then Bieber was expected to take a step forward, and he has. And while everything else has just been total anarchy, Bieber's kind of been the stabilizer. Hmm. We're not going to belabor, you know, a bad thing here on the podcast, Ryan, but is there something this season, you know, just looking over 88 games as a whole that has kind of surprised you to this point? I still think it's the bullpen. Um, I mean, we could, you know, you could certainly talk about uh, Jose Ramirez's poor first half. Yeah. Uh, the Indians have not been able to get him going. Uh, you know, but as a unit, um, I think it's got to be the bullpen. Um, you know, uh, those one of the major question marks entering the season. And I think a lot of a lot of it was looked at as Brad Hand and then a bunch of guys who I'm sure a lot of Indians fans have looked at as not Andrew Miller and not Cody Allen, but but they've done so well to kind of complement each other and they bridge the gap. 
so well to Brad Hand, and then once it's gotten to Hand, with the exception of that that one game against the Royals where Hunter Dozier just destroyed a Grand Slam, except for that night, Hand's been almost untouchable. And so that's you know, like I, I keep using this word today, but the kind of the stabilizer to keep the Indians' heads above water while other parts of the roster have struggled. The bullpen's kind of picked it up, and uh, you know, Dan Otero talked about how the the relievers uh, in Texas right before opening day, the Indians played their final two uh, spring training games in Texas, and the relievers held a, a, a bullpen-only meeting, no no coaches or, or anyone outside of that group, just to kind of say, like, hey, we, we need to not care about roles. We need to kind of pick each other up. We're going to have to support each other. We're going to have to kind of carry each other. And so far they have, and it's played a huge role in the Indians kind of maintaining, you know, their, their standing in terms of just at least being in striking distance of the central and actually in a good spot for the wild card right now. So I think that group kind of deserves a lot of credit there. Mm. Let me ask you something with Brad Hand real quick, kind of off the cuff here. There, there seems to be this notion, at least, you know, reading stuff, listening to local talk radio, fan reaction online, stuff like that, about Brad Hand, and it is one of two things with him. You don't trade him because you have him under control, and if you trade him, it kind of means you're you're raising the white flag a little bit. But you should trade him because his value will probably never be higher than it is right now. And there are a ton of contending teams, particularly in the National League, that could use a closer. What is your take on, on that stuff and Brad Hand as a... Um, I guess what he means to the Indians, both as a player and as a trade piece. Yeah, I think the Indians have to be open to trading him, at least open to dealing him if the right deal came along. Um, because like you said, uh, relievers are in general never you know, in more demand than July, and mm-hmm. his value could not be higher right now. Um, so you have to at least be open to, to selling high and, and, and potentially getting an Andrew Miller-like package like what the Indians sent to the Yankees to get Andrew Miller. You have to be open to that. Uh, and the Indians have had you know, such good luck, and, and that's a big thing with, with bullpens. Uh, you know, as we know, it's, it's, it's sometimes luck. It's year to year, and you never really know what might stick from year to year. Uh, you know, but this group has performed well. The Indians have a wealth of younger arms that are coming up through the minors, um, you know, who all may fit in as, as potential relievers. And you actually mentioned, you know, to kind of swing for the fences for the Indians here, you know, if Danny Salazar comes back and they put him, him in the bullpen, he could be an option, um, you know, in, in the later innings potentially. So the Indians do have some, some candidates there to where if you deal Brad Hand. You know, it's it's not like the the, the cupboard is barren. Um, that being said, with the Indians, you know, kind of climbing back into not only the division race but not having a, a a game and a half lead for the second wild card spot, if you get to October, well, they're going to want Brad Hand. You know, it's not like you know that that chip is more valuable right now until you get to October. Um, so it's something where if the Indians got the right deal, I do think that there's there's a lot of validity to trading Brad Hand right now because they still do need to re- reallocate some resources. They could still really use a, a, another bat in that lineup. Um, and and with bullpens, they're just sometimes they're tricky. Now in, in Brad Hand's case, he's controllable for the next couple seasons. 
he's compared to market value, he's very uh, affordable. Um, so he, he does, you know, for the most part, fit into the Indians' pay structure. So he's not like a, you know, a, a total, you know, weight on their payroll. Um, so I, I think they need to be open to it, but I don't think it's it's quite clear cut. Um, so it, it, it it's probably a good situation for the Indians to be in in terms of they can wait until the right deal, and only if the perfect deal comes along do they need to pull the trigger on, on something like that. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think it's a tough bridge that the Indians front office is going to have to cross here pretty soon, so I wanted to get your take on that while we look back over the first half of the season for the Indians. Ryan, is there anything else you want to touch on quickly before we head out of here? Nothing else. Just uh, congratulations to the United States women's national team. Not the biggest or best soccer fan, but I get crazy patriotic, and they <laughs> they are a team of professional badasses. So that was, that was pretty awesome to watch, so congrats to them. They, they are, and an anti-congrats to the U.S. men's national team. Well... They flopped against Mexico. I am a big soccer well, fan, and I was very angry last night watching that. Yeah, kind of, kind of revel in the in one success more so than. I also enjoyed the joke that the United States had eleven queens on the field yes. instead of England only having one queen, and that's why we won. It, that Love was that. a very good line. Um, Fantastic. Megan Rapino is amazing. And so, I mean, the whole team is. But, yeah, it was, congrats to them. Ryan, congrats on your, your future jelly sandwich um, oh, that, that's coming your way, monster. courtesy of Ronald Acuna. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that is going to do it here for leading off. If you are listening to this early in the week, go to ohio.com slash Indians. We have... Every type of all-star game content you could be looking for, including coverage of the damn celebrity all-star softball game. So find all that stuff over at ohio.com slash Indians. Follow Ryan on Twitter. He's at by Ryan Lewis. He gets to go to the home run derby tonight. I get to watch from home. I'm not bitter. And then follow along for more all-star game coverage. We're going to have photo galleries, a whole bunch of stuff. So, Check that out. And thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.